Welcome everyone to Enter the Vortex podcast with Carol and Aaron, where we share our experiences and opinions on the metaphysical and physical aspects of life as we know it. How's your week going? Oh, well, today, this week feels much like what you've mentioned, um, how it's gone by really slow, but really fast especially when we have like exciting things on the calendar and you can't wait for that day. And then the day comes and then the day feels really freaking long. And then you're like, holy crap, that day's already passed. And then it's the weekend, but you still feel like it's only Tuesday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of how I'm kind of all over the place. It feels a little, uh, feels like I'm walking between worlds a little bit this week, which maybe is accurate based on the time of year it is. <laughs> Actually. Yeah. that. That does make sense because I know I I had said similar, like I felt like I was kind of walking two different timelines. Like Mm. one aspect of me is like super accelerated and is like, okay, like it's it's already Friday, even though it's like Tuesday. And then the other part of me is like, is it Tuesday yet? And it's Friday. And I'm like, (laughs) geez, like (laughs) what is happening? Um yeah, and like even even too, like I don't know if it's just like where we are in like the whole pandemic stuff or what but it has not felt like Halloween has been coming like I feel like it's like July still except really cold weather except for the weather yeah well it was kind of warm we had sunshine for about an hour today I I tried to get some of that vitamin d (laughs) yeah yeah I think it was like sometime in the afternoon or if it was during uh, my daughter's nap time I would have been sitting down here so Awesome. All right. So today we are what talking about our Akashics and what they are, what our lensing is on that, um, or perspectives and maybe share some stories. Ooh, I like stories to me. That's actually, actually what Akashics are. Um, my first understanding of it is the Akashic realm is where your soul stories are kept. Um, of course we have some different lensing on that now. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really started getting into the understanding of that language of the Akashics probably four or five years ago. Um, I've gone to a couple different Akashic Records readings, um, and I've also started being able to access them on my own as well. Um, My first experience with the Akashics, though, happened long before I really even knew what they were. What's your take on the Akashics? That, well, first of all, it's super fascinating. (laughs) Um, yeah, like, I mean, when I first got into the metaphysical stuff, I didn't really know much about Akashic records. Like I all, I kind of knew, I don't even know when I started believing in past lives, but I kind of, I feel like I've always known that we've had past lives and I knew that they could play a role in how we perceived our current lifetime. Um, but I didn't really start hearing about the Akashic records until probably the last couple of years. And then I was like, oh, this is really neat. I wonder what it's like. And then I think, yeah, it was probably in, it's probably in Reiki. I think when we were talking or something, I was doing something, um, that was metaphysical anyway. And we did, um, a meditation where we go into the Akashics and it was like, you know, very structured. It was like, you are going to go down this hallway and then you're going to go down this staircase and you're going to spiral down. And then it was like, and then you're going to meet the guardian and the guardian is going to show you exactly what you need to know at this time. And I'm like, cool. 
And I think because it was so structured, I actually had a really hard time like seeing it and like being in that, that awareness of it. Like, I just was like, cool. He's showing me a book. I'm like, what do I need to know out of this book? Like, oh, but it's a book. Like, I just, I couldn't see it. I couldn't experience it. And so it's, it's really interesting now. Like when you look at the, the information or the lensing that we have now, it's like, oh, that's what it's like. And so I've had glimpses throughout my life. Mm -hmm. Um, like none that I could really like pinpoint at the moment, but like, I've had dreams where I I woke up and I was like, oh God, that was a past life. Like that was super cool. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, yeah, I've had some, some remembrances of like, oh, so this is what the Akashics actually look like, you know? And now that we have this lensing, it's like, oh, it's a different perspective on things. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've always believed in past lives as well. It always seemed fascinating to me, and it just made sense. Mm-hmm. Especially when I look back to my childhood, um, and I think about like uh, having nightmares and like fears that don't make rational sense in the current lifetime. Like I was terrified of fire, beyond scared of fire when I was a small child. Mm-hmm. And I used to sleep on the couch in the living room because I couldn't handle being in my bedroom. And like, that's where my parents were because they were always up late watching TV. So I would fall asleep on the couch and somebody would carry me to my bed. Um, but I had like legit nightmares, wake up in the middle of the night and the house is dark and I'm freaking out and I'm thinking that I'm like, I have to check for fire like all the time. And that's still, that's like a recurring theme, even well, actually not in the last couple of years as I have done some clearing on those records, but um up until my early 30s, probably, I was still having those fears. And then also, when you live in an apartment and you have a random fire drill in the middle of the night because the smoke alarm went off, you know, like that little little bit of panic also doesn't really help the, the trauma of it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just remember like when I was a kid, the movie Backdraft came out. And mm-hmm. that was another movie that there was like, there's no way I could handle watching this. But even the commercials were terrifying enough for me to realize like, I would fall asleep while my parents are watching these movies or TV shows. And you don't realize how much of an influence the television really is on you as a small child, especially when you're trying to fall asleep. Um, but I would hide underneath my blankets so that I could just kind of see the light peek through my eyes like, like this a little bit, um, trying to calm myself because I didn't even want to vocalize to my parents that I was that terrified of what was happening on TV being real to me. Um, fast forward to my late 20s and I start like piecing things together like hey now that you learn the history of witchcraft and now that you learn the history of farming and just understanding the way the world has been like it's likely that all of us have had an experience with the fire that's been traumatic at one point in one timeline somewhere um Mm -hmm. so that would make sense to me why these memories would be triggered and my fears would be so quote-unquote irrational as a child um so fast forward to my first experience Thankfully, I didn't actually recall any fire experiences in this, but I was just searching on YouTube for some different uh, meditations to practice. And I went in with the intention to try and have a greater understanding of some of the struggles that I was experiencing in my current life at that point in my like late 20s. And I found this really cool one for quantum leaping. It's 20 minutes. They walk you in, they count you backwards, no staircase, no wall, no, no halls, no nothing. And I didn't know what to expect, but I just had the intention of looking for clarity on how to clear away a repeating cycle in my, in my life. So I do this meditation and I'm flashed this really interesting scene. 
And the difference for me between my mediumship skills and my Akashic records is that um, when mediumship presents, I'm just realizing this like right now, it tends to be black and white. Mm -hmm. But when it's Akashics, it has a sepia tone to it, which is super interesting. Um, but it, I almost had like an experience of um, a Christmas Carol's Cratchit, you know, taking them on or whatever, whoever the right character is, um, taking them through the different like past, present, future timelines. A similar kind of thing where I was in it and I could feel the emotions of what was going on around me and I could see what was happening, but I didn't have the full understanding that it was me watching a timeline of my own. But what I saw was this person, a person of royalty and me being female in this life, I just assumed that I was watching another female timeline, but it didn't clue into me that at that time that you could actually have, you know, both genders. Mm -hmm. um, but I was watching this person who was male running around this big, long, like super, super, like long royal table with like multiple chairs. Like I want to say like at least 12 seats, if not more. And this guy was angry, angry, angry. Um, and I had the awareness pretty immediately that he's upset because his family was killed. And then I got flashed again, him yelling at the servants and saying out loud to the servants, if they cannot protect my family, why should I protect the village? And I called in all of the food from the village in this flash. And my servants were running around like scared chickens with their heads cut off, trying to like, like all the silver platters. And like, it was just a chaotic scene from what I could see. And I had the understanding that I essentially asked for this village's food to be brought into the castle. And I said, you don't protect my family, I'll watch you starve. And it was like a really gluttonous, like I was grabbing food off of, well, not me, I was observing this person, this male um, grabbing food off of the silver platters and having the, the servants really scared of me and like they're loyal to me and they understand the pain that I'm going it through obviously or witnessing, but at the same time, they also wanna make sure that I don't turn on them as well. So it was a really interesting chaotic scene to see. Um, and I was, I was kind of had the awareness of like, this person was reacting out of anger and using food as a way of like, what's the word? Seeking solace, I guess, is the right way to think about it. And, and also yet very tyrant, like tyrannical way of thinking, like you're going to call in all the food from your village and have the people that are loyal to you starve to death while you sit in your kingdom eating all of their food, like out of revenge because they didn't protect your family. Like, how did you know, how do we even know that they could have, you know what I mean? Like, so it's a little unreal, like it's, it's like realistic, but not realistic. It was kind of an interesting um, experience for sure. Mm -hmm. And I had, I came out of that with the awareness of like, wow, I absolutely at the time used food for emotions as well. And that was one of the triggers of me understanding where my emotional eating came from that I was struggling with back then. And also how we've almost bastardized food in a way as well, because we've taken the joy out of it and it's just like it's become what can I grab between jobs or on my 20 minute lunch break instead of actually coming into communion with your community and your neighbors and your family and sitting down and enjoying a meal and allowing your body to digest and that was a really profound um, awareness for me at that time which was a huge catalyst for me changing how I eat and how I look at food as well um, but then the second part to that was um, I flashed from that scene to another scene where I knew that I was walking and 
I was pushed and I was I essentially kind of flashed from the first scene from that castle to me falling to the ground on a gravel road and having the awareness that I knew I was being walked to my death and I knew that if I looked up ahead I would see my sisters but I don't know if they were actual blood sisters or like sisterhood that kind of thing and I also knew that I was pushed and I was getting yelled at to get up and then someone else was saying, oh, she must have just fallen or tripped on her shoes. But I know I had the awareness that I was pushed down because I was being led to my death. And up ahead, I could see flames and smoke. And there was like a, an area of like where there was like mass hangings happening. So then I came out of that with that awareness of that was likely a witch timeline that I did experience, which was really fascinating as well. Um, and so that kind of helped me unwind a little bit of the fear around fire having the awareness that I obviously have had that experience and that doesn't mean that it's going to happen in this timeline and that gave me some ease when I was like struggling with the nightmares and then I had some of those things confirmed from an Akashic Records reader because I brought them up when I did see her and this was before I knew that I really had the ability to dig in and dive in on my own um, but she did confirm she was also shown a separate like I didn't even give her leading questions I was just asking like I asked something about something like I don't even know if I used a keyword and she brought through almost the exact same thing without me knowing or without me telling her in advance so I was like okay that's kind of cool but she did confirm that there was witch timelines as well but that I also had another um, past life experience where I was homesteading and there was a really traumatic fire in the home and it was me who went back in to rescue my children. And as a result of that, I actually suffered really severe burdens, mm -hmm. but I saved my kids. And there was a lot of um, emotional unwinding and like agreements with the people involved in that lifetime that I've had to um, clear away. But with some of the really cool experience about that is that there's some members of my family now that were in that with me back then as well, that were, that are now like other members of my family, because I don't have any kids yet, but they were my children in that past life. So it was a really cool, it's like, it gave me that nice little flip of like, that's super interesting that we, we choose to come back to another lifetime together um, to do things, hopefully a lot more fun and a lot less tragic and a lot less traumatic so that we can, you know, change the family line and just change our experiences. And, and obviously they were cool people, because why would I want to live, why would I want to relive life with them again if they weren't? So yeah that was like really that was like the most profound experiences I've had with Akashics and that was like I said long before I even realized that that's what I was reading that's super cool and mm -hmm. like just to cycle back you had mentioned um earlier on in your your little story there that you know one of I don't know exactly how you phrased it now I was so enthralled by your stories but <laughs> um you would brought up the like the point of clearing your akashics and i think mm -hmm. at least from my i would say my limited understanding previous to what we have the understanding of now um your akashics were never something to clear they were just something to mm -hmm. read and get information mm -hmm. from but and like this might be a shock to some reader some readers some listeners um that like you can actually go through and collapse these timelines and pull out the information and not have them affect you mm -hmm. in the ways that you know they currently are or they have been right mm -hmm. and I think that's something that's that's really interesting to take note of um like you had said like the way like this past life where you were the king and you had pulled in all of the food like that helped you kind of unravel some emotional eating stuff and mm -hmm. um you know that obviously the fire 
this fire timeline that you'd had probably has helped you release some of that fear. And then on top of that, you said you've been able to kind of figure out some of the chords and contracts that have been involved in that, Mm -hmm. um, which is just really, really interesting. And Mm -hmm. yeah, like it's, I think that's one of the, I don't know, that's one of my favorite parts of the work that we do um, is really like tapping into someone else's Akashics and like seeing like when I, when I do Akashic work, I don't necessarily see the whole story. Sometimes I might just see glimpses of, or get a sensation or a feeling of what it's like. And then I'll, I'll ask if this is what, like the root cause of whatever issue it is that they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And then with that, I can go through and figure out, is there a cord? Is there an, like a contract? Are there emotions to be released? Um, you know, is, is there, you know, people involved in that timeline that are also in this current timeline and how does that relate, you know, and stuff like that and being able to clear and like, you know, help release some of that stuff has been so, so amazing for the clients that I've worked with, um, thus far. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's an important thing to bring up actually, because the experiences that I've had and, and just what I see elsewhere in the world of people that are offering Akashic Records readings, like mm-hmm. they don't necessarily talk about the ability to really radically change your current lifetime with their healing work. And it's like, for me, my experience was not so much that anything was cleared, but I did still experience deep healing. Mm-hmm. But some of the stuff that I brought forth in my sessions when I was the client they continue to repeat. And now that I'm on the flip side of that, and I'm now the facilitator of this, um, I've understood, because I can un- unwind my own, I have a bit different awareness of how to unwind and collapse and all of that. I've been able to finish the work that was started from those ses- sessions, basically. Um, and like, we, there's definitely been a lot of like cords and contract clearing, and there's more to come, I'm sure. Um, because especially when you have multiple earthly timelines, there's a lot of stuff to go through and it's super (laughs) interesting. Yeah, it really, it really feels like it is. Um, but I honestly think like, as it stands right now with my current lensing, I think Akashics are actually my all-time favorite thing to play in. Mediumship is great as a support to the Akashic readings because you never know who's going to step forward with information for you. Um, but being able to get a sense of a full situation like an entire person's life in a little snapshot is a really cool thing to be able to bridge for yourself or for a client because I love stories I love stories I love telling stories I love hearing about stories and this is ultimately like the biggest storybook we have to access and we don't even realize that we can do it so yeah it's it's really really just I don't know it's it's just so interesting. Like, I mean, I've tapped into my Akashics a few times and there's been quite a, a few interesting stories <laughs> that I've come across. Um, I know that like, you know, like, um, for example, my husband that I, um, I was going to say I live with, but of <laughs> course I live with him. <laughs> wow. I'm having some very interesting words dropping into my face. <laughs> my brain um 
but like, yeah, like I, I know that my husband that I'm with right now, like we've had multiple lifetimes together. Um, and there's been some, um, like some stories of like, you know, almost like wartime type of stuff where like one of us has gone off to war and then the other one's kind of left with, you know, the children or left with the rest of the family and, and like never knowing what has happened to your loved one, like, cause they, like they never come back. Right. Um, you know, and, and like, that was one of those things that I had to really unwind because it was something that had kind of taken effect in my life in the sense of like, um, you know, kind of just how the, the roles play out now, you know, like there's a definite need to, you know, for my husband, he feels like he needs to provide, which is, you know, also social conditioning. Um, Mm -hmm. but along with that, there was this obligation of, I have to make sure that my husband or my family survives. Right. And I think that has something to do with the Akashics that have played out between the two of us throughout, you know, our history together. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, (laughs) one of my favorite stories, (laughs) one of my most badass Akashic stories. Um, and I think we got onto the topic of this because I felt like, I, I think we were talking about, um, um, what was it? Like the feeling of being a siren right? Like in, in like that alluring, like, I want to sing men to their deaths type of thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I wonder where that comes from. Um, Because I remember, like, we literally, we were having a voice conversation just through, you know, our messages. And, and I was like, I wonder where that comes from. And it was like, almost instant, I got flashed an image of like, this is your warning, graphic descriptions are coming. (laughs) (laughs) If you are for entertainment purposes only. Yes. And if you are queasy, stop listening now. Um, <laughs> I don't know when you can listen to it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like I got shown this like very, very um prominent in image of me like literally luring men to their deaths in like I mean, I find it very fascinating. <laughs> But I would like, it was like myself and a group of ladies um, would all go out and we'd find men and then we'd bring them back to like, I don't know, it was almost like a forest type of situation or at least like a large space that was open and outside. And we would do sexual things with them. um, And when they finished, we would (laughs) end their lives. Um... (laughs) literally the best Akashic story I have ever heard and I will never tire hearing of any rendition of this at all it's so so great it makes me laugh every time because it it literally made me feel so powerful when I tapped into that timeline I'm like man I was badass and I (laughs) like it's like cool because the the feeling that I got from it because like I mean obviously I'm describing this as least graphic as I can but the the intense fear that you can see in someone's eyes when they think that they're the predator but then it gets switched and you're actually the predator and they've realized that they are a fly caught in your web Mm. man that is a like not that I want to experience that in this lifetime that is something that I I don't think I could do that to another human like I I'm pretty sure I've set up a contract 
that I do not want to break or an oath or something like that, mm-hmm. that I don't, I, I can't do that in this lifetime. Um, but that, that, that intense, like image of this person being like, holy, like just floored that they have now been caught in my web as I like, you know, the life drains out of them is one of the best images that I could conjure from my <laughs> Akashic <laughs> records. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. great. And it's, it's really interesting because it definitely was a story of like, something has like something really not horrific, but like something really devastating had happened to me. And I felt like, I think something in me had broken in that Mm. timeline. Um, Like whether it was like a family member had been killed. It was around the time that we had um, really switched from like the, the goddess worship to kind of more of the one God type of worship. I don't know Mm. if that was just like the, when uh, Christianity came into the area that I was living in at that time um, I kind of got like a Celtic vibe from it. So I'm wondering if I was somewhere in like the Celtic areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do recall like someone really close to me had been murdered due to like witches or witchcraft or some sort of other similar circumstances. And that was like, that's it. I'm going to like, I'm going to do this to get back to the, like at them basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. I uh, went a little mad with the revenge. Um, that was very interesting. I think there was like, what did I say? 13 of us. I think so. Yeah. That were running around and doing this. And it's, <laughs> it's so entertaining. It ended really poorly for me. I think I ended up dying. Like, well, I shouldn't say dying. I think I was caught and then had horrible things happen to me. Um, but it was fine. Cause I was, I was really insane at that point. <laughs> I think that's important that like when you say that something tragic happened in your life first and then you pivoted right and Mm -hmm. from what I see from reading Akashics too like it tends to be the trauma experiences that come up first um the tragedies the traumatics whatever like for me like uh if I if I really was I mean maybe I was one of the servants but I obviously needed the awareness of being in that royal position where my family was taken from me they were the people that I was relying on was not there to save them and my revenge was to starve the village that should have protected the castle like how many lives have I affected from this one timeline you know and like to uh, and when I did and I remember because I actually did a reconciliation for that and when I called in any beings that was involved in that timeline I could feel their presence around me and they were actually grateful to forgive me which was really super interesting but like I just felt this like collective sigh of relief that, I mean, we kind of chained each other in that aspect and for us to all be able to drop the chains and drop the emotional eating and drop the starvation timelines and the power hungry timelines and just be able to let it all go and dissipate. Like Mm -hmm. to me, that is ultimately the goal of this work. And again, you get to collect really cool stories and it's not to like minimalize anyone's tragic ex- or traumatic experiences, like whether that's this timeline or a past timeline, but the fact that we actually can clear that, we, we can get enough information to help clear that and make a significant change in a person. Like for me to be able to say that I don't emotionally binge eat anymore, like I think I've been binge eating since I was probably a small child and never really had the awareness of it, but 
I can honestly say that I don't binge anymore. Yes, I still eat like emotional eat, but it's not to the point where I'm using it to suppress my emotion. I'm Mm -hmm. very aware of why I'm doing it and what I'm choosing. And it's like, okay, I'm going to have this chocolate bar and it's going to be damn good. And I'm going to enjoy it rather than the angry reason what that triggered me to eating the chocolate bar. Cause Mm -hmm. I, I am really aware of being able to catch myself and, and flip the switch on the emotion that I'm experiencing when I am consuming food. So for me, like that's definitely made a huge difference in how I approach nutrition and just my life in general. And to have the awareness of (laughs) that emotions really do affect us. Like humans think they're in control, but I think our emotions are a little more in control collectively. And so there's a lot of work for us available because a lot of, there's a lot of people out there that could use the supports in understanding where these emotions are even coming from because how many of my reactions weren't even mine or there were, they were more so out of that memory that soul memory of a past timeline that's now been collapsed versus what's actually really going on in front of me yeah yeah and I think like that's if it if there's anything that you take from this episode of this podcast it's that you can actually change your life Mm-hmm. and change how you react to things be like mm-hmm. just by clearing out some of your akashics right and mm-hmm. doing the like the work that should be done with them mm-hmm. you know like it's it's nice to imagine that there's this like really cool library that you can just tap into and, and read about all oh, my past timelines and like all that stuff but yeah reading is only one aspect of it it's like it's almost like if you go into a class right like I mean, you went in, like you were in university, you learned how to be a teacher. I learned how to be a nurse. It's like, if I only learned from a textbook and I didn't actually have any practical skills, Mm -hmm. that's only half of what I'd need to learn. And I would feel so out of like, out of depth or I don't know what the, out of scope. That's a good word. (laughs) Um, Without that, right? Like if, if you didn't, like if you just go and you read what's or read what's going on in your Akashics, but you don't actually do anything to address the problems or the issues or the traumas or, you know, the loops, whatever it is, you're never really going to, I mean, you can do as much as you can in this lifetime, but it's not really going to affect the same way as if you were able to collapse and clear those times. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, it's just one thing I can't, like, I really find is probably, I don't know, out of all the sessions that I've done so far, it's, I I think I've done Akashics in pretty much every single one of them in some Mm -hmm. shape or form. Mm -hmm. And I've also gotten to the point where like, and we joke in our circle as well. It's like, oh, your Akashics are showing because when someone is speaking and you can just hear the pattern or you can hear the emotional resonance there's always a clue where my psychic radar goes off and I'm like, there is something to that. Say more about that specific thing. Let's elaborate. Let's dig into this because you could have told me 20 different things, but maybe you mentioned the stupid blue sock and that was enough to ping me about, okay, well, what is it about the blue sock? There's obviously significance there for it to stand out for you. Like if you're bringing that up in the pile of all the things you're telling me, and that's the thing that stands out for me, that's where we will need to go and dig deeper because it may be related. It may not be, but we can ask a couple of more clarifying questions to get through that. And, you know, there might be some significance, like, I don't know, like I'm just making this up, but like maybe the person was actually strangled by a blue sock. And so they've got that imprint in their memory 
And so mm -hmm. we can collapse that timeline and boom, now this is no longer a stupid blue sock. They're like, I like blue socks. <laughs> yeah. I no longer have fears of blue socks coming yeah. at me. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's really interesting because there's a lot of, um, like I can think of how many loops that I've probably played in throughout my lifetime that like, when it really comes down to it, it's like, oh, that's an Akashic. We should clear that. We should work on that. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just, I don't know, man, Akashics are wild. <laughs> they, yeah, they really are. And like, I'm, I'm being pinged to mention, I um, had a discussion with my guides a couple of weeks ago that came through where they like jokingly ingest with this like little slide roll because some of my my guys are just as sassy as I am shocking um what? but they were like yeah dude like you've really essentially been dating the same five types of men like your entire <laughs> earthly existence and I was like I can count on my hand which five they're talking about in this current life and I'm like okay I think I'm done with the Akashic romances I would like something new because I don't want to keep repeating these patterns and the same thing is there is a lot of similarities between all five all of these guys all look different I ain't gonna throw their names out there but like the patterns are for sure flashing me so loudly that it's like okay Carol when are we gonna clear all of this so that you can actually move forward with some somebody that's not going to cause all these <laughs> traumatic experiences and also annoying experiences and a lot of like self-worth stuff and lots of interesting entanglement so having that awareness of that and then looking back on my dating experiences in the last 20 years I'm like hmm I dodged a lot of bullets for <laughs> some of these and I also got some really beautiful experiences out of out of others as well but um one for sure when you come across their Twitter account and you realize they're talking about things that you're so against like my own morals and ethics and I'm like that that one was the dodging of a bullet for sure because I'm like wow what did I ever see in this person I don't really know but I also wonder what did they see in me so whatevs because <laughs> I'm not the Akashic. same girl yeah also the Akasha because I'm not the same girl I was in my 20s that's for sure mm -hmm. a lot less tolerance for things <laughs> a lot more boundaries well, and it, it, that kind of, kind of leads me off another tangent of like, maybe, um, like, you know how, like, I'm saying like a lot, man. Um, <laughs> it happens. Uh, but when it comes to romances and it's Akashic based, mm. how much of that can get entangled with the whole belief cool. system of soulmates or twin flames and I mean I'm saying this really like me my true love and oh, yeah. like that right like it there might be something to that there might be some validity however <laughs> <laughs> if you constantly like I mean I would say what I have right now with my husband is is decent like our Akashics have been like I, I part of our mission coming to this planet at this time, we were to come together and actually have my daughter, um, and help raise her to, I was going to say fruition, <laughs> man, the words coming to me today are very strange. Um, <laughs> but like, it was part of our mission to come here and have my daughter. Mm. And with that comes the opportunity to untangle or unwind a lot of the Akashics that are coming up for us. 
you know, and, and so it helps lighten all of us and our movement forward, right? Like we, we now don't have to live from the past. We can take forward, um, you know, any sort of future that we want to create with each other. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, for example, your, your situations too, right? You have lived a lot through the Akashic loops, right? In this lifetime, as oh, well yeah. as probably in others, right? <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So it, it could be very easy for us to get into like the whole, oh, he's my soulmate, or oh, he's my twin flame. He's meant to trigger me. We're supposed mm. to grow together. But I feel like some of that is just a lot of fucking bullshit. <laughs> hey, I'm in support of... I've, I've, I've danced with all of those words. I for sure thought the first guy in my 20s that, I, that was my bullet dodging, I for sure thought he was my soulmate and we were meant to be together forever. We barely spoke. So I created a heck of a lot of false, false realities in my head about the situation and allowed the heartbreak to happen without ever looking at this was just an Akashic attraction. Mm-hmm. Now that I have that lensing, I'm like, I'm glad I dodged that bullet because that's not something that I would have really wanted to play out because when I played into the trajectory of it with my like in the last couple of years like when I actually look at the timeline if we would have continued on into a relationship it probably would have ended very badly based Mm -hmm. on the track record that I see of what I could find on the internet and also I likely would have been devastated and possibly taken my own life or taken myself out of that completely because it would have absolutely shattered me and it's all in fine to say that you're a soulmate or you're an Akashic um, partner or you're a twin flame, but don't fucking use that to justify staying in a toxic relationship. Because mm-hmm. I did do that for almost 10 years with a person that was not worth a freaking dime, not worth it at all. And the amount of work that I've had to do emotionally and spiritually to heal and clear from that is almost not worth the label of that quote unquote twin flame or soulmate bullshit. Like, no, if you're going to be a shitty person, I'm not going to continue hanging on to it just because we're soulmates or we've have all alternate timelines that are happening right now where we're actually together because nobody should use anything like that to tolerate any kind of abuse. And I just can't, it really bothers me that that's kind of become a trend in the meta world actually. Um, and yet I actually, and I mean, so yeah, 20 years ago was when I started to notice that that soulmate BS was like becoming the mainstream. and then then the karmic partner started becoming another justification. Whereas the soulmate was like the good partner, but the karmic partner was like, you have a lesson to work on. And then once that lesson is cleared, then you guys split up. Usually means a breakup, usually means someone's getting hurt. And then the twin flame thing got added on to another layer of it in my late, I would say like there's a transition every five to seven years in, in the last 20 years of my, my dating experience. And then, then again, the twin flame BS becomes but he's my twin flame. So we're, we're supposed to do this together. Well, no, actually you're supposed to heal your own shit. He's supposed, or they are supposed to heal their own shit. And if it manages that you guys still want to be together, that's great. But if all you're doing is causing more trauma, why would you justify that with a soul connection? Why Mm -hmm. would you agree to that? I don't think inherently your soul wants to go through pain. So I don't understand why I mean, I guess marketing is why, but it, it really grinds my gears. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think like what you said was pretty bang on, right? Like it's, 
one of my biggest gripes with the meta community as well is like the fact that we have made it to be more than it actually is, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and like you said too, like justifying a crappy relationship as they're my soulmate or twin flame. No, like, yeah, like I said, there's, there's aspects of it that have validity to them or that have a grain of truth. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and there are people that might be, um, you know, coming here together, um, to be like soulmates, but then also calls into question the whole aspect of soul family and how, mm-hmm. how many times have we reincarnated with all these different people and how many times have we actually dated them or like been with them, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure you don't just have one soulmate. You would probably have a few that are spread out throughout the planet or, you know, throughout your life or whatever, right? My guys are saying millions, possibly millions. Yeah, well, you know, tons, right? Like, it's just yeah. like a little sprinkling here and there. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that is something that needs to, I don't know, get a little blown up with the meta community, I think. Mm-hmm. In the sense that, like, no, like, don't settle, girl. Like, move on. Find yourself a better person. Like, if they're trash they're trash. Don't try to fix them. That's not your job. That's right. You know, and, and stop living from your Akashics unless, you know, you actually are here to try and like, I guess, shift and grow and change from them. But that does not mean that you have to stay in a shitty relationship just to be able to get those lessons. Mm-hmm. And how many partnerships do we see actually dissolve once their kids become adults because they stayed with together just for the children? Mm -hmm. Well, I personally, and I, again, I don't have children, but I've taught children. I've worked with children for years, years. And I can attest that your child needs a healthy parent. And that doesn't mean that you need to stay in a toxic relationship for your child because, Mm -hmm. and, and this is another thing that like, it might be bold to say, because I don't have children, but at the same time, parents, please, please, my word of advice my loving word of advice, you need to take care of yourself first. There's a reason why they tell you on an airplane to put your own oxygen mask on before you put on someone else's. So why don't we apply that principle to every aspect of our life? If you are not taking care of yourself, your physical health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, how can you be supportive for your child? Mm -hmm. You can't give them your best. And that's part of why I left teaching because I was not good physically, emotionally, or spiritually. And I was thrown to the wolves and it was just not for me. And if I can't bring my best self for my students, that doesn't mean I was an awful teacher, but I recognized for myself that I needed to make some changes. And if I can't take care of myself within the politics of that job, then I'm not giving the kids what they actually deserve. Let someone else step forward in the teaching realm anyway, that actually can be there for them 100%. Mm-hmm. And parents, the same thing. Like I've seen, I see this with friends that are struggling with being a single parent, both male and female. And it's almost becomes like this badge of honor to be the single parent. And I really wonder why, like, why are we so willing to shut down our community when we've historically actually raised children in community? Mm-hmm. If you're struggling, ask for help. If you're, if you, and if you don't actually have somebody I don't know if I would, I think I would almost call BS on that because I'm willing to bet you could probably find at least one other person that you could speak to about that. Because 
I think what we're seeing, especially with the last two years of being in isolation, we're realizing how much more valuable community is and how much more valuable it is to make sure that we are taking care of our own physical and mental health, because that's huge, huge, huge red flag that's been flashing for the last year and a half with the way, the way of the world. So please, if you can't take care of yourself, you can't give your best to others. And that's not to say that you're, you can't take care of your kids because you still can, because like you have to, you have no other choice, but if you can, if you can find 10 minutes to read with your child before bed, then you spend the next 10 minutes taking care of you so that you at least have your cup filled as well so that you can continue the next day and not feel like you want to pull your hair out. (laughs) Well, I can give that my stamp of like my mom's stamp of approval because like that was literally something that I had come up with so I guess early on in my daughter's life Um, and like haven't tracked into it. Maybe it's an Akashic thing. Um, but I knew going into this and I told my husband, I was like, you are going to physically have to take me away from my child for a period of time each day, because I will make my baby everything of my life. Mm -hmm. And so I think at least for the first, like three to four, oh, six, no, five, five months of uh, my daughter's life, I well, my husband was also in school, so that didn't help, but I literally, I ate when I could, I slept whenever the heck I could. Um, and I was with my child, like almost 24 seven. Um, I think I got on average about five hours a night of sleep for at least five months. That was not good. I couldn't nap when she napped because I was pumping. Um, because the stubborn little child would not nurse. <laughs> she used to be a trend um, with her a little bit. Oh, she's so stubborn. She's like me. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, but the the interesting thing is, is that this really came up to me and it like hit me so hard. I was like, I am really not taking myself into consideration for this whole thing, right? Like I am not taking care of myself at all. And once I kind of came to that realization, I was able to start implementing ways that I could take back that piece of myself. Um, So like, I would say the whole first five, almost half a year of my daughter's life was focused on just her. And I would shower whenever the heck I could, maybe Mm -hmm. twice a week. It was like... I lived in a state of, I'm not great for my body and myself, but I will make sure she's okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. yeah, And I like, I mean, that's a part of motherhood, I think is trying to find that balance. Balance. But once I had realized this and I started making my self-care and myself a priority, and I mean, I, I'm not perfect. I still have days where I'm just like, all right, cool. I will just do whatever I need to, to get through the day. But once I started really putting like myself as a priority and like taking the time to nurture myself, my body, like my mind and my physical, things started to shift and I felt so much more myself. Um, Yeah, like I felt so much more alive, I guess, like alive would be a good word to say. Um, 
Yeah. I don't know. Like it was just like, I had lost a piece of myself for that first six months. And then after that, it was just like, okay, this is what's happening. We got to get it back. And so it was just, it's kind of interesting how I've shifted throughout. Like, I mean, she's two now. So, you know, the last 18 months, (laughs) Yeah, which is, you know, fun time when COVID hits right at that same time too. (laughs) Yeah. It almost gave you a little cocoon in a way, if I, if I think about it, which I think, I mean, I understand kids are a lot of work. I used to work in daycare. I've worked with infants all the way up to age, like grade 12 students. So I have a different perspective, um, but I don't think that just because you didn't birth a child that you don't necessarily have the experience and the knowledge to know how to take care of your own adult human while also taking care of little tiny humans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand the stress of like taking kids on field trips and, and, and like having to count heads and like making sure that I didn't lose anybody. And we all got back on the bus, like that kind of stuff. Like I, I likely will repeat those sensations when I do have my own kids. Um, but if I, and, and especially in like the first three months, I can understand like when you're nursing and like you, your kid really does need you beside, like they need you beside them all the time. I totally get that. But please make sure that you're also able to pass that child off for even 10 minutes so that you can have your shower and have just 10 minutes to clear your thoughts and not worry about this little one because that little one needs you to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, yeah, there are great options for you know, like if you can't breastfeed or Mm -hmm. if, you you know, the mother is not around or whatever, like there are great options to feed your child. However, like if you're not healthy and you're not taking care of yourself, you are like, Mm -hmm. I know some moms who just ignored signs and symptoms of them being unwell for too, too long long. and then end up in a, in a, like either it's a medical crisis or a like mental health crisis Mm -hmm. and then what and then they're like physically removed from their child for a period of time because they have to like go away for you know some sort of medical care of any sort right and then that breeds into it too like oh god don't even get me started on how that affects the child (laughs) well I think that we almost forget and I think that we've also painted children with this brush of them being resilient because we don't actually understand yet how events can be traumatizing Mm -hmm. and like if I as a small child know that what's happening on the television is imprinting into my my mind enough that to invoke the fear of a past life experience of dying in a fire like we're, I think we're severely underestimating a child's ability to observe the world around them because essentially when they come out of the womb, that is literally how they survive. They mm-hmm. observe what is around them. They communicate through crying. They communicate through laughter. They communicate by pulling you along to show you something because they don't have the words yet once they get older. And the idea of like letting a child cry it out really also grinds my gears. I am pro-attachment parenting. I always have been, I always will be. And like, that's the one like thing your child has is the voice. And I really feel like we aren't aware of the psychological damage when we let that child cry too long, because we've Mm -hmm. read a book somewhere that says that they're fine and they'll, they'll never remember it anyway, because kids don't remember under a certain age what happened. Well, I call BS on that because we haven't studied it enough to actually say that. 
because um, he's going to volunteer their kid to be hooked up for the first six months of their life to track that stuff. <laughs> well, and, and like too, they don't have the, the verbal communication or a, a way that we currently know how to communicate with such mm-hmm. a small being, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of have a running joke and it's probably not the greatest joke either. Um, but like whenever... <laughs> When I do get to the point where like, I just, small child, you're just going to have to cry for a little bit because mama yeah. needs to take, like, take a step away before she loses her goddamn mind. Yeah, <laughs> that's valid. <laughs> it happens. And like, like when she wasn't napping there for that period of time, I was just <laughs> like, I am going to lose my, my freaking mind, man. Like, I'm just going to lose it. And I would rather walk away and allow my child to cry than for me to freak out on my child for something she's not even aware she's doing. Yeah. Right. Cause she's not doing it because she's wanting to be mean or spiteful or whatever. That's she's right. doing it because there's either an unmet need or maybe she's too tired or maybe she's hungry or like there's many different reasons. Right. And anyways, what I was going with was <laughs> there's this, this joke that I have where I just like, when I have to walk away and take a moment to breathe for myself, I just, I say to her, I'm like, you know what? this is going to happen and I'll unravel the trauma of it later because I know how to do that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I agree with that. I think that is um, a huge, um, a a really great way to advocate for your own mental well-being, right? Mm -hmm. Which feeds into what I'm saying, the same thing, but it also, um, while I'm listening to you talk about that and like when I think about kids crying, like when I used to work in daycare, if we had a if we had a crier, like we would just take turns with the child to comfort mm-hmm. and soothe if we could. But again, we're in a community-based setting because there was obviously more than one adult on the floor. A single mom or a, a, or even just a parent, a single dad, a parent that's at home alone with the child because the other parent's at work and the grandparents aren't around or available, like that can be trying, absolutely. But it also makes me curious about some of the cries that kids have that we, we can't figure out. Like, they don't have, they don't need a diaper change. They're not hungry. They didn't get hurt. They're not tired. What are they crying about? I wonder how much of that is them also reliving their Akashics because they're so new to earth Mm. and we just don't have that awareness yet. And I also wonder since we have psychic skills and we all humanly inherently do, could we not, if we can communicate with an animal that doesn't speak the English language or whatever language that you're speaking, could we not also psychically develop communication with our children before they actually have the words? Mm -hmm. Oh, I definitely think we can, because I know I have, well, I've done it, right? Like I've had moments where I'm like, I really have no idea why you're crying. And then I'll just kind of like, I guess I didn't realize I was doing it, but I bounced things into her field. Like, okay, are you hungry? No, that doesn't feel right. Um, are you like, do you want some, like a bottle or some milk or whatever? It's like, no, 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 that doesn't feel right. Mm, Diaper change. No. Okay. Do you just need a hug? Do you need to be, you know, held? Do you just need to be close to me? Okay. That feels right. Okay. Come here, you know, or, or whatever it is. Right. Like sometimes she just cries because she just, you know, wants to, I don't know. She's just grumpy. (laughs) She's in the terrible twos. Um, and sometimes she just gets grumpy. Um, but it is, it's really interesting to kind of be able to be in this work and know kind of what might be in play and 
like, I mean, I've told you before, there's this look that she gives me where she just like gets really intense gaze and she'll come straight into my forehead and she'll just stare (laughs) at me. And I'm like, whoa, you're telling me something, but I just, my logical brain cannot pick it up right now. So I'm just going to allow my body to just take in any codes that you're telling me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's just really, really fascinating. And I mean, we've gotten way off topic from Akashics, but it's just really, really fascinating to, to see my daughter interact with people too, especially considering that like for most of her life, we've been shut down Mm -hmm. and like when she sees people, like, you know, when we, when we go for walks and like, you know, she sees you or whatever. And then she just like gets this like knowing look on her face. And I'm like, she's literally, she's reading something in your field or she's reading you or whatever. It's or really- trying to tell me something in my field. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's like, she did that to my sister the other day. My sister was over watching her. Mm-hmm. And when I came home or were we eating breakfast? I think we were having breakfast. My sister came over in the morning and we were having breakfast and my daughter kept looking direct, like from me to my sister in like really intense gaze. And then she was like watching my sister and then would do like this weird side eye thing and then like giggle. And I'm like, what are you doing, small one? Like, <laughs> re- like I know you're doing something super cool, but like very interesting. And I'm like, I'm kind of whispering to her. I'm like, are you, are you picking up something in auntie's field? <laughs> no, that's not it. Okay. Are you, um, are you tapping into something that's going on in auntie's, like in auntie's brain? Like, are you figuring yeah. something out? No. Okay. Hmm. What's going on? Is it, is there like someone like hanging around? Um, and it was like, so my sister was like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> So I kind of explained to her and it was like, she kind of had this moment where she sat back and she's like, okay, so really creepy. The last time I was here watching her and she proceeds to tell me about like my, what was it? She, my daughter had woken up from her nap and my sister was trying to get her up and ready and like have a snack before I guess um, my husband came home to take care of her. And she had taken her out of the room um, to go in like into the living room area mm-hmm. and my daughter did not want to be in the living room. She ran back to the bedroom and she was like, my, my sister was like, okay, cool, whatever. And she still had the monitor and like, so she can see on the monitor that my daughter is standing next to the chair that's in her room, which is really close to her bed. And she's like looking at something in the chair and talking to it. And my sister was just like, um, okay. (laughs) And then she was just like, all right, cool. Like maybe she's just playing with an imaginary friend. But this went on for about, my sister was saying like 10 to 15 minutes. And my, like my little one was just babbling away to whatever was in the chair. And like, this was only a couple weeks ago. And my sister was like, not creeped out because she didn't feel like it was anything negative. My sister's a little woo. She's not like fully on to like where we are. We'll get her there. <laughs> she's into it, right? And she's aware of it. And I'm like slowly opening. Well, I'm not even slowly anymore. I'm just like, here's the fire hose. And, yeah. and she's just like, okay. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's interesting because like she was telling me this and I was like, oh. And I got the instant of like, oh, that was my grandma. 
And then my daughter, oh, my daughter I looks just at got me. Goosebumps. I know, right? That's and my so daughter sweet. looks at me and she goes, Grandma. And I'm like, Yeah, but mama's grandma, not your grandma, because obviously that's different. And she goes, Oh. And then because I had taught her great grandma before, she kind of goes, okay. Oh, great grandma. I'm like, Yeah, great grandma. And it's really interesting. Okay, so I'll tell you, this is way off topic of Akashics, but. <laughs> wow, I have a way to circle back. back. Okay. <laughs> um, I have a ring from my grandma and it's a beautiful, beautiful ring. I've worn it for years. Um, and actually when I was pregnant, like, you know, when your fingers all swell up, I had to take them off because, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. want to get them stuck. Yeah. So since, <laughs> yeah, right. Since having my daughter, I haven't really felt the need to wear this ring anymore. I just, I, I, I still feel attached to my grandma and I get the sense that she's always around, but I don't feel like I need to wear it, which is just a really interesting perspective because I had worn it for like almost 10 years. Actually, it would have been eight years before my girl was born. Um, and so with this ring, like it sits on my nightstand, it's on my little ring holder. And like my daughter comes in and she sees it and she goes, um, she points at it and she goes, oh, like, I can't even, I think how it first happened was I told her that was my grandma's ring and I didn't want her to play with it because she, right, that's what happened. So she came, she likes to go and hide and play in things that she shouldn't. So she came out with this ring on her finger. Yeah, right. (laughs) She came out with this ring on her finger and I go, oh, that's lovely. Um, that's my ring. Can like, that's grandma, like that's uh, mama's grandma's ring. Can we put it back? Um, and she goes, oh, grandma's ring. And I go, yes, <laughs> but great grandma's ring. Like, that's your great grandma. Um, and so we go and put it back, but she's so fascinated by it. And it's, it's interesting mm. because I like, I kind of, I'm trying to like, I t- I've tapped in and I'm like, no, she's not. Like, it's not my grandma coming through her, but she knows this ring for some reason. And it's really, really interesting. And then, yeah, like when I was telling my sister, I'm like, I think that was grandma coming in to see us, um, you know, to tap in with, uh, like, to play with my daughter, um, to see kind of how, how things are and stuff like that. Like, it's just, it's really kind of interesting. And then, like, my sister was like, oh, okay. <laughs> just like, she's open <laughs> oh. to it. But she's just like, all right, cool. Cause she's she's seen the orbs on my my daughter's monitor too and, oh, and things like right. that, right? So mm-hmm. it's just it's really, really interesting. I don't think kids are off topic at all from Akashics because I have another um interesting story from one of my nephews, the firstborn nephew in my family. Mm-hmm. I was really I was still like in my late teens when he was born, and I was babysitting one night at his home. And I remember wearing makeup, which I, in my 20s and late teens, I didn't wear it that often. But for whatever reason I was wearing it this time, he would have been, I don't know, three or four years old, getting ready for bed. And he is a very, was a very cuddly child. And he has this bedtime routine of like, you know, you read a story to him, you cuddle with him, and he wants to cuddle with you until he falls asleep. But you can break free and move his arm because he's like me, falls asleep like a log. And, you know, you don't disturb him. And so that's fine. So I was getting ready for bed, but I didn't want to lay down on the bed with him with my makeup on. So I said, okay, buddy, you get comfortable. Do you want the TV on? He said, no. 
but I guess maybe I thought maybe he turned it on. I'm not sure. I said, but I'm going to go wash my makeup off before I lie down with you so that I'm not getting it all over the pillows and the blankets. So I'm in the, the ensuite bathroom with the door open because I'm just washing my face and he's laughing his ass off. And I was like, what's so funny, dude? Like, is there something on TV? I thought you didn't want the TV on. He's like, remember when I was the dad and you were the kid and I took care of you, auntie? <laughs> I'm like, what? And like, I did not have the right words to, to like get him to give me more information at that time. I really wish I would have said like, dude, can you say more about that? Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't, but I was like, no, but that sounds like, like an interesting thing. Can you like explain it? But he's like, no, that's it. I just wanted to tell you that. It's like funny. It's funny. He's just like laughing, 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 <laughs> like three or four years old, has this memory, like legit while well, I've tracked it. And he was either a, a father or a grandfather figure, which I find really entertaining because now that he's an adult, um, he has really embodied that old man attitude. <laughs> and it's so weird to me because I'm like, dude, you're younger than I am and you're acting way more mature. Not even, I can't even say mature. He's literally just acts like a grumpy old man sometimes. And it's so funny to me, like the full beard, like the whole thing. And I'm just like, wow, that is so entertaining that you've chosen to come back and embody that lifestyle again but yet it was also like really sweet we were really close when he was a small child um very like I, his parents did not exist when I was in the room my like grandma grandpa didn't matter because if auntie was in the room auntie was the one who got all the attention but now that I understand the Akashics I'm like well that's why because we were probably very close mm -hmm. in that other timeline and like how cool is that to like I don't want to say recycle but like relive a timeline with family members that you really truly love because I do have like a certain kinship to some of my family but not all like I have a lot of uncles and aunts like great uncles and aunts as well but I can pinpoint the ones that I was really connected with and I can also pinpoint the ones that were in like I was indifferent to like yeah you have the respectful relationship but like you know it's not nothing nothing to shake a stick at kind of thing but then there's those just those few that you can joke with like my uncle for example and and both of my nephews, actually, I have quite an attachment to. And for many, many reasons in this timeline and in past timelines. Um, but he's even also having the awareness of, like, having past lives with my brother. Like, and he's, he, he'll entertain the woo, but he doesn't go into details with me about it. You think he prefers to talk about aliens a little bit, but yet, but yet also not. Um, so I can say something like, we've had past lives together, and he'll get the goosebumps, and he'll acknowledge it, but then the conversation ends there you know it's like dang I want to ask you questions and like give like give me some more details about your experience but I get a lot from the nephews and just from my own tracking too so yeah. I think I think we, we grossly underestimate children in general for many reasons um and I also think as adults we almost have shut down our childlike aspects and I really think like thinking back to when you say like when you tapped into your daughter and whether she just needed a hug like how many times have I just needed a hug but I haven't been as an adult you get conditioned not to want to ask for those things but it's like I'm actually a hugger you guys like I might put off as this like edgy chick but I am legit a teddy bear <laughs> with the right people <laughs> so yeah yeah well, and it's, it's just really interesting because, I mean, this is going to be another episode, but that just kind of taps into the whole, like, what's your true nature, right? Yes. Like, yeah. 
what really I don't want to get into it now. <laughs> oh yeah, that's fair. That is absolutely fair. We can definitely, uh, we can definitely wrap up this Akashic story. And this is only Akashic's part one because we haven't tracked all of our Akashics yet. So I, I'm sure there's going to be more coming through and I'm sure there'll be more stories to tell because like I said, I love telling stories mm-hmm. and following the threads of truth. And I also don't even mind getting sidetracked once in a while because sometimes you find some really fun, irrelevant information or entertaining information like when Merlin showed up in my field one day, but you know, or a Merlin like character, I should say that was, was not actually Merlin. It was just a distraction. But again, it's funny because then I had now have the awareness of what to look for and what an, what a distraction looks and feels like when I'm in my, in my psychic version of the brain and not the logical version of the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really fascinating. And like, I'd like to say too, obviously we don't know when that next episode or the next part of this will be coming, but it's, it's definitely something that like, I, it's a topic that we'd like to revisit. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, each, each time we uncover new stories or new information, the more we track into it. And I mean, we could even like in future episodes, even get into like the halls of Amente and like galactic timelines and things like that. Cause I think that just opens up a whole nother level of coolness (laughs) yes so for all the humans out there that are listening it isn't just your soul records there's plenty of other aspects of self that we carry along with us in our i want to say dna but but i almost hesitated for a second but that literally is where we keep it so that's kind of where i i see the soul essence to be so um but for the listeners out there if anyone wants to dig into their akashics with one of us then you can definitely find us on our socials um, find us at, uh, on our IG at uh, Enter the Vortex Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a link tree in our bio for how to book with myself and with Aaron. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And you can find, well, if you're watching us, you will see yeah. us on YouTube. Um, we are up on YouTube. We are on Spotify. Well, if you're listening, we you already know. <laughs> That's okay. But yeah, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google. I think it's yeah. important to mention. Yeah, we're on all of them now. I didn't Yay! tell you. Yeah, I know. I got the notification today. <laughs> That's so amazing. And like in grade nine, when we had to do video stuff, I was terrified of video. I hated being on video. And here I am. And now I'm on the internet. <laughs> yeah, now we're on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> We've made it big now. <laughs> yes. Go big or go home. Oh, awesome. Well, I think with that, we will wrap up this episode. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening. We uh, will catch you on the flip side, I guess. You bet. Bye. Bye. Bye.